see that Tina Turner is going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No shit. Yeah. Good for her. She hasn't already? Yeah, right? What the fuck is up with that? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense She's like 80-something, and she's a badass. Yeah. I mean, she's been... Yeah. She's been rocking with everybody. Yeah, for a forever. long time. Long Absolutely. Time. It's weird. I know. Seems kind of... That seems fucked up somehow. Well, you know, there's not a lot of rock and roll anymore. There's not a lot of good singers anymore. And yeah. MTV doesn't play music. They haven't for the last 20 years. What do you do? Mm, you talk about safety in martial arts. <laughs> How do you train it and coach it? That's what you do. That's what you do. That's, that, a, that's our lead-in. Yeah, that, that's our transition. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing I don't drive a bus like that. You know, it's like, here we go. We're going 65. Let's throw that sucker in reverse. Oh, boy. All right, then. Safety. Safety. I think safety's important. You know? Absolutely. Seems, seems like an important topic. Well, if you break somebody's arm on the first day that they go into class, they probably are not going to come back the next day. Yeah. And neither will anybody else. That's exactly right. Yeah. I've had, I mean, you know, I think injury, because I mean, you know, what is, what is safety, right? Sure. Safety is all about preventing injury and, you know, creating an atmosphere where people feel like there's some control and some safety so that they can train and they can learn and then everybody can get better. But I think, you know, school to school, that certainly varies. And I think art to art, that also varies a lot. Very much so. There's a lot of people who have a very different idea of what safety is from me, as opposed to, you know, me or my class. I think it's very odd in a way, because if I think about it, like when I was younger, my idea around safety was very different than it is now. 20-year-old Mr. Owen Schilling had a whole different bag of worms, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was a very different animal. You know th- than it is today, and a lot of a lot of that uh, wisdom, if you will, uh, comes from fucking getting injured. Absolutely, <laughs> a, a lot, a lot, yeah, <laughs> and getting you know broken fingers and broken toes and oh, and you know and just you know, being around martial arts for so long, um, seeing the damage that people take and seeing and, and whether it was necessary or unnecessary. And I guess that's kind of a, a bit of a judgment call along the way, but, um, yeah, I mean, I have seen some fucked up shit. <laughs> My worst injury in judo. Um, I actually started judo a month before I started Wing Chun back in college hmm. and I did it all my freshman year. And then I did it halfway through my sophomore year and I left because of a foot injury. Um, I'm about 225 right now and five foot five, and I'd probably say I was 195 or 200 on the button back in college. So, you know, a little bit there. Um, you know, that was, of course, 22 years ago. But my sophomore year, uh, there was, I was the only person strong enough and structurally strong enough, too. Uh, I wrestled with a gentleman quite a bit in the judo class. I was always his partner. His name was Ram Dom Casal, hmm. um, Sikh gentleman. Fantastic, fantastic dude. About six foot six and three seventy. Jesus. And I could load it upright where I could throw him. Mm-hmm. It was judo, you know. Mm-hmm. It's good old leverage and stuff like that. But we didn't slow down the drills. Mm-hmm. We didn't slow it down where you always tried to get, you know. It was almost damn near free Ron Dory. And it's like this is the drill we're working on. We'd do it slow twice, and then you'd try to do it as fast as you could on the person. Right. And I got Ramdam, even though he was god-awful tall, I got him in a, 
Lapone Sainagi. And I got him up for the throw, and I'm on one leg with a 300-something pound man, and I'm 200 pounds. And my foot rolls. And I hear, pop, pop, pop. And I'm like, ugh. And my foot, um, I went to the doctor. He's like, well, you didn't tear anything, but you sure did stretch those tendons out way past. And it, it ballooned up. Sure. I mean, it, <laughs> I looked like a wind when he's doing his suicide run at the end of Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> where he sucks in all that air and explodes. That foot looked like his foot at the end of that. I mean, it just, it swelled up with so much fluid and they wound up having to drain it. And I was out for a good month, but I could sit down and I could still do my Wing Chun form. And so I was, you know, that month that I was out from there and then I slowly worked back into, you know, standing and walking and all that other stuff. I was on crutches. um, So I was still getting around. Um, But I've had an injury and I walked away from judo after that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I loved my people that I worked with. But I wasn't really walking away from judo. I was walking away from my senseis. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that they were teaching and the way that they were coaching. Sure. And it doesn't some, sound like they were handling their their safety aspects. And I wonder if they didn't know it. Right. I you know, I know a lot of Very true. um Americanized older karate lineages that if you aren't black and blue every class, sure. you're not doing it right. right. It's like, oh, we're here to fight. And I'm like, you know what? Here's another idea. Why don't you go find a stone and beat your head into it a few more times? Because you might be a little more martially capable if you got some sense knocked into you. Mm. There are better ways to train things. Now, are these martial arts? Absolutely they are. But when I'm doing the pot punch drill, like I was telling you, like my rookie Wing Chun students do, mm-hmm. I'm not teeing off on them. The first, you don't tee off. Because even a pox out, I can scoot you across the room sure, yeah. and your body takes it. Mm-hmm. I can vibrate people's bones with that. And if I do that to a rookie, somebody that hasn't trained balance, mm-hmm. timing, and, and force, getting it, accepting force yeah, into their body, that's a big one. it's going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Like not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. It's like, why is this guy attacking me? Mm-hmm. You know, the fight or flight thing that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You build up to it. Drills can be dialed up and dialed down, and they need to be. They need to be. You know, let's say I do have somebody that I am training for fighting, and they get injured fighting somehow. If they come back to train, we're not doing 100%. I'm going to see where they are physically. Mm-hmm. And mentally and emotionally, and we're sure. going to dial it in from there. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, MMA guys do that all the time. Muay Thai guys that do it competitively. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the coolest things I ever learned. Um, I had a gentleman that did Wing Chun with me for almost two years that did Muay Thai, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I think one of the best drills that I ever learned from Muay Thai, and this was the gentleman that I was working with, is before they would do a fight, if they had a buddy in their camp." They would spar before a fight with 5% of their power. Sure. And, you know, 10% of the speed, maybe 20. It was basically like partner shadow boxing. Mm-hmm. And they were just getting the rhythm, the timing down, the motion. Mm-hmm. Getting that, you know, another person. Yeah, set, finding your angles and learning how to set things up well and... And that yeah. was right, literally, right before they were about to step into the ring. Mm-hmm. But they had a dial gauge in them so much 
that they could do that five or ten percent and that speed with their partner, right. and then step into the ring and turn it up, you know, all sure. the way to full fight volume. Yeah, I, I imagine that they had already done a lot of that hard work, absolutely up front. And then, you know, as it got closer to fight time, there was more emphasis on trying to stay healthy and make weight and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to dial it back a lot, but you still want to keep the nervous system engaged. Absolutely. So it's like, yeah, you know, we can go light and do some partner work and just keep it easy. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, there's just endless stories in terms of, you know, like professional fights. Like people all the time, like especially, you know, in the UFC, somebody's on the card, blah, blah, blah. Oops, they got injured, they're out. Yeah. And Next just, guy steps up. Yeah. And I mean, like right up until fight time. You know, like right up until like days before the fight, generally. You know? Absolutely. It's just like, oops, yep, nope, he got hurt, he, this happened, that happened. I mean, I, I want to say, I mean, that, there's quite a few like even famous fighters, like well-known fighters. Sure. Who, who that's happened to. And a lot, kind of along the same lines, you know, with this emphasis on like training and safety and, and sort of being able to preserve your physical ability over time, I thought it was really neat. Uh... I heard a I heard a cowboy, Cerrone, yeah, uh, talking about like he like how he doesn't spar anymore, right? Because he's at the, certainly at the end of it, if not at the end of his fight career, he's at, he's getting close. Mm-hmm. And for the last few years, he actually just gave up sparring. He's like, I've done enough hard sparring. He's like, I've done tons and tons of it for years and yes. years. So he's trying to preserve his health and what he has left for actual fighting. So he does a little, he does all almost everything he's doing is drilling. He's drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling. You know, it sounds it like Shingy. Yeah, I know, right? But he's he was doing it, you know, he was saying specifically that he would dial those those uh, those drills up, he'll he'll dial them down. You know, they have some really specific things that they work on from fight to fight, but yeah, he doesn't really do a lot of sparring anymore. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. You don't hear that a lot. But wow. I thought it was a cool strategy in terms of how to preserve the body, mm-hmm. the safety issue of, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is my living. If I'm going to go out there and do it, you know, I've got to make sure that I can do it. Yeah. For as long the, as you possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, there's so many, there's so many factors just in terms of longevity of those types of fighters outside of, you know, sort of the safety conversation. Cause I mean, so much of it's psychological, you know, you look at what happens to certain fighters. I'm thinking of like Rampage Jackson or somebody like that. Sure. They, get, they get defeated once, they get defeated twice and that's it. They're just they just they just cannot get it back because whatever psychological thing they had that made them who they were, they lose. Now you know by the same token, you have guys who are like uh, like DC, and I you know I love DC because you know he's he just he just he he's you know he lost his fair share of fights, and he's just like yeah okay you know he just accepted it as, as part of part of what he was doing and part of what was happening. And it didn't seem like it, it didn't seem like it, it impacted him that much, but who knows really, you know, I mean, I think a lot, that's part of the game, right? It's a lot of those guys are, they don't show it. Mm-hmm. Very much so. so. Very much so. Yeah. Hey, you look at safety in a whole different factor. Um, I had a student for many years that I'd adjust his guard hands over and over and over and over again <laughs> and he'd keep dropping them and he kept getting popped in the face. Right. It's like, okay, well. We've done this for two years. At what point is it your responsibility and not mine? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. so, so I mean, there, there's a joint factor there as a coach, as a laoshi, as a sifu, sensei, whatever your title is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a responsibility on your shoulders, but to the athlete or the practitioner as well, you have to be aware 
and in your training aware enough. Uh, I had another person that was um, working with me on the Wing Chun and stuff like that, and they were working with their own students, and again, no guard hands. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I want to learn some more advanced stuff. It's like, well, how are you going to learn advanced stuff if you can't do the basics right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially important things like guarding your face. Yeah. Like guarding your head and, you know, take, trying to take care of your body on some mm-hmm. basic level. I have no charm. All I've got is looks. I can't ruin this. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't rely on my wits, you know, and it's definitely not my checkbook because I'm a bus driver, you know. So I've got to rely on my looks to get me around in life. So I've got to make sure that these uh, choppers and this hair and these uh, these big brown eyes are, you know, looking good behind a, a healthy-looking young man's face for 42. So, yeah, you got to protect your face. Absolutely. Punch in the head. That's it. That's well, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesus, that's a that's a whole other con- conversation, right? In terms of like Trauma. safety, yeah, yeah, you know, concussion and you know, getting punched in the face or getting Muhammad Ali. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, Good cause, God, look at him. You know, I mean, he's he's been gone for a while now, but I mean, look at what it did to him. Look yeah, at, look at what rope a dope did to him. Yep. His own method of fighting. Mm-hmm. Let him wear him out. You know, yeah. it just wow. You know, it's it, there's so much going on now with the NFL yeah, with uh, CTE. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's going to be a bridge that eventually does happen to the impact sports like boxing, Muay Thai, mm-hmm. MMA. Yeah, because you know there's there's an amazing book out there. Um, I'll find the gentleman's name for us. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. Have you heard about this book? Uh-uh. So it was a PhD level psychologist. And he did a 30-year case study, and he found a pattern repeating itself about five years into his work, where the rape victims that he was working with, he was also working with a lot of Vietnam vets, and he noticed that they held all of the trauma on a physical scale somewhere in their body. Mm -hmm. And so he started realizing, he's like, well, movement has to be a part of the emotional practice. Because they've got to work that trauma out of their physical body as well as their their mind. Mm-hmm. And so he would prescribe things to people like Tai Chi, um, Qigong, yoga. Mm-hmm. That was a part of their Ballroom dancing was actually somebody's sure, yeah. you know, prescription. Um, it sort of moves into that same space as like, you know, somatic experiencing. And there's, there's a lot of sort of mind-body psychotherapy type integrated practices around, you know, trauma and... Uh, um, you know, just general like psychology out there. You know, it's, we're from Boulder. That's right. We all, you know, so we're, we have a lot of exposure to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, very much. Well, it's it's funny because you know I said it. Uh, I was talking to Fred Moore on the Steel Mace Nation podcast about four or five months ago, and I mentioned this on his podcast, but I haven't mentioned it on this one. You know, I moved down here for an old girlfriend, and we didn't work out, but the job worked out really good. But that experience of losing her was very hard on me, mm-hmm. extremely hard. I felt like, you know, my heart was basically ripped out. And the majority of it was my own responsibility. And I had been a movement person and someone that was involved in physical labor and strength my whole life. And I just hit a wall. I really felt like I needed to move and think and feel different. And so, you know, I started picking up the light Indian clubs and working with those and moving with those, the really light ones, learning patterns. And then I picked up some old Tai Chi ball that I had learned a long time ago. 
have my notes. I'm like, let's try this again. You know, I, at the time, you know, everything I was doing was linear. I love my Wing Chun. It's super effective for combat. It's very point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And the lifting that I was doing, I was doing classical lifting. You know, when you think about it, you know, bench press, point A to point B, a squat, point A to point B. And so my life was linear. And I felt like my heart and mind were, you know, linear too, almost like a light switch, just on and off, peaks and valleys, highs and lows. And so as I started doing the Indian clubs and I started doing the Tai Chi ball, I started noticing subtle changes. And then an old mutual friend of ours from my past reached out to me. My good, good friend, Steve Burden. I've known Steve since I was 19. So we're talking 23 years now. I've known him. I first walked into Longmont. Uh, I was driving over Trail Ridge every Wednesday on the summer of 99. And I had found a Pac May class here in Longmont. The studio doesn't even exist anymore. You know where Jefe's Tacos is? Mm. There's that kind of white building where there's apartments. Mm-hmm. That used to be a dance studio and a taekwondo studio. Mm-hmm. And that's where we used to have the classes on 3rd and Main mm-hmm. here in Longmont. And it was a taekwondo and dance studio, but uh, my Sifu in uh, White Eyebrow was also stationed there. And I walked in, and I was 19 years old. And I met Steve, who was the number two guy there, and he had just had his 51st birthday. And uh, we have been friends ever since. And I don't even know. I can't even remember how he reached. I think he reached out to me. Could have been something in the force. We'll, we'll call it that. Hmm. And, you know, Steve, uh, I will hope to hopefully have him on for an interview sometime. He has an amazing life story and a cool mm-hmm. martial arts story as well. And uh, Steve has one of these uh, Cronkite voices. Yeah, he does. You know, like, hey, Randall Evan. Heard from him in a while, buddy. Uh, I think you'd really like this group I'm working with. You need to come down to Boulder and try out some shingy. And sure enough, you know, I came down. And again, I was in a low spot. But I'm like, hey, let's try moving differently. Let's try thinking differently. Let's try feeling differently. And uh, another person in your class, and I'm going to call her name out today because I got to warm up her hands, so she owes me this. Um, it was the fifth or sixth class. We were doing some joint locks and stuff like that. And I was working with a young lady by the name of Alexandria. And we were doing, it was her and I. And uh, I'm substantially stronger and bigger than her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was working on a joint lock on me. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to let her have it. I'm just going to muscle out of this. I was just feeling spunky that day. <laughs> and so I start muscling it. And she's still getting the joint lock. <laughs> and I start muscling a little more. And she's still getting it. And she's still getting it. And I'm like, let's, this is bullshit. And then I just, I amp up the volume to 100. And by the time I did that, my ass was on the floor. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's got to be something to this. Because I'm 100 pounds more than that lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm like, okay, let's go for the ride. And I just really started training it into my body, my mind, and my soul. And it has been one of the best things for me to heal past that person that I, I let go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think I'd be where I am without it. It's also made my Wing Chun so much better. I'm not mixing the two. I will say this repeatedly on this podcast. Uh, I have two other buddies that live internationally. Um, I'll mention one of them, Paul Andrews. 
of Shinee Academy, and he's a big weightlifter like I am. Mm-hmm. And before he weightlifts, and I'm the same way. Before and after, like if it, I'll, it'll, I'll pick one. If I'm doing a weightlifting day, I'll do 15 minutes of not the forms, but like a warm up of Shinee. Mm-hmm. I'll do some jumping jacks. I'll do a few push ups, and then I'll do like the turns, or I'll do like footwork, and then I'll do some Jeevan Gong, and then I'll do some you know like Tian Gun, and then I'll go lift. Mm. Because it, it is one of the best dynamic warm-ups I've ever done. Or I'll do, you know, 10 minutes on a treadmill, and then I'll go lift, and then I'll do the shingy at the end of it. Hmm. Because I'm getting stretching, but not a isolated stretch. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm just, you know, doing a yoga pose. It's a movement form of stretching. And it has made my lifting practice 10 times better. Hmm. And so there's the therapeutic side, you know, that that's one beauty about Shingi is it's got its training methods. I wouldn't say for safety, but for health. And, and I think that's got to be a part of safety. You know, if you're eating, you know, cheeseburgers three times a day and drinking beer all day, you know, your martial arts practice is going to suffer for yeah, it, you know, for sure. so your health and your safety, I think really are a tandem mm-hmm. together. You know, if you're working on your your movement practice, if you're working on, you know, staying strong, you don't need to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, back in ni- 1987 when he was doing, what was it, Conan? Was that, was that 87? It was 82. Was it 82? And, the, and then the Terminator came, yeah. right? It was, it was Conan first, Terminator. Okay, there we go. There we go. I got my math wrong. <laughs> so, but you don't have to look like him to be strong. And that's another thing, too, is, is understanding what strength is. Yeah. That's a, and that's boy. That's a whole. That that's another pie. We we can save that one. We'll put that one under wraps for a different podcast. But you know, I just think about it in terms of like, okay, if, if you're talking about safety, you're talking about um, your safety, and you're talking about the safety of others, and being responsible for that in a group context. There's so much to it, you know, and and I think it's very important to clearly define and spell that out you know and like i I was saying before and i'll say it again i think that kind of the most important part is is that nobody gets hurt everybody has a good time and it's fun and people feel like they're making progress of some sort because i think that providing that sort of atmosphere really boils down to that safety aspect And, and i think that you know for me that's uh, that's definitely a priority in my classes. Well, I mean, you know, you guys are kind of like my, uh, if you will, my little sangha, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing, I look forward to training hard with all you guys. But then I look forward to saying hi after class and seeing what everybody's up to. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my little community of getting out. Um, I, I am around people all the time. Uh, a lot of people, I'm very much of an extrovert. But I do have to have my alone time to recharge my battery so I can be a good bus driver and attentive to my customers and be a good training partner for you guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to have that. So, you know, part of my personal safety practice is my isolation time. It's such an interesting topic. I've also been to a lot of personal self-defense classes. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to martial arts. It is martial skill, but it's just it's so specialized. And it's something funny that the high-level self-defense teachers, you know what they all teach? Mm. Awareness. Mm. 
sure. awareness as being a part of your safety. Right. Now, we're, we're talking about, you know, being blindsided by the knife attack or the baseball bat. But awareness in your own class also mm-hmm. and how you teach. Awareness, again, is one of these generalized terms that has so many different avenues that you can spin down or, or take, a, take a bus down, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, awareness of how are you teaching? Are you teaching safety in the, the class? Mm-hmm. Do each of your students know about, you know, what's okay and what's not okay? Sure. And do the visiting people that come into class sometimes? Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. I for sure have, I've, pro- I've had problems with that in my oh, class. Oh, I've seen sure. it. I've seen it. Yep. Yep. I've, yeah, I've had all kinds of fucked up experiences of people trying to come into my class and do something or show off or something. You know, I, one in particular comes to mind, like, wait, this is 10 years ago plus, that I had... And I don't know whether this kid had been on the internet too fucking much or like watched watched too many many fucking kung fu movies or some shit. And he shows up in my class. He comes in the door in the middle of the class. It wasn't even like before. He couldn't even have the courtesy to like show up before class and talk to me or after class possibly. Shows up in the middle of my fucking class and he's like, and just standing there. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have to go talk to this guy. So I go over and I talk to him. I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, so on and so forth. It's all cool. It's okay. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, come to your class and, you know, check it out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, that's that's totally cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm super open to that. That's fine. Um, you know, um, you know, next time would probably be good. I don't want to try to talk to you or put you in the middle of a class and ongoing right. class right now. And, you know, I could tell he was a little bent out of shape about that. But I was just like, hey, if you're not fucking smart enough to figure out you need to show up ahead of time, you're probably not the right guy for my class. So, you know, I, I just, I don't care. Yeah, but that's a safety factor, right? It's there. super, yeah. Because you're protecting your students and you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your, your class. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Anyway, so this guy decided that he was, he was, he, and so I got, I talked to him a little bit more about what he was looking for. Cause that's always like the type of conversation that I like to have with Absolutely. people when they come in the door. It's like, Hey, you know, what are you looking for? You know, people are like, I want to fight. I'm like, well, if you really want to learn how to fight, you should go down to Easton's here in Boulder or, you know, Longmont or wherever you are in Colorado. Uh, and, or, you know, there's lots of good places where they teach Muay Thai. Yeah. So I'm like, you want to fight? Totally. Fucking A. Go teach Muay Thai. You learn how to fight. Do you way. want to devote yourself to, to really doing it? You can, you can, you can get competent in, you know, a year. Absolutely. You're not going to be great. But you could for sure like hold your own in the basic way in, in a year. So I'm just like this internal martial arts is yes you can fight with it, but is it going to be quick? Are you going to be able to you know uh, you know do it uh, like right out of the right out of the gate? No, there's definitely a, it's a long ramp. It takes a while to get spun up, especially if you're starting from nothing and you don't know how to. You're not comfortable being you know having contact with somebody. You're not comfortable with, you know, just the basics. Anyway, so I start talking to this guy and he's like, oh, well, he wanted to have some kind of contest with me. Like he wanted me to like stand in some kind of horse stance or something. And then he wanted to like push on me to check my structure. And he got, you know, and I was like, no, that's not going to fucking happen. And then he got, he got, he was like, oh, well then how do I know if you're, you're, you know, if you're, you have it or you don't have it. And I'm like, first and foremost, how, how do you know? What's your criteria? Are you an expert? Are you an expert in these martial arts and you're going to come in here and test me to see if I'm an expert? Whatever. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have anything to prove anyway. I'm too old for that shit. And secondly, second, it was such an interesting thing because I, I had, I had run into things like this before, but this was the first time it ever happened, you know, like specifically like in the middle of class and it was so explicit. And I just, I just said, Hey, you know what? If you want to find out, come to my class, you know? 
come to my class, take the class. My first class is free. You know what right. I mean? And just, you know, just feel it out. Just feel it out. You don't have to go around and test anybody. You don't have to, t- I mean, you know, is your horse stance good? And I just fucking get off the internet, turn off your fucking Kung Fu movies and come to a real fucking class. Do the thing. You know, and that's what, and that's, and I told him that, and I just, I just, I was just like, no, I'm not doing any of that. I'm like, you want to find out, if you want to know, come to my class. You know what I mean? Period. And he just walked out, and I never saw him again. But that, that, that good story. I mean, that, that was good for you and the class. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure, you know, and, but it's just, it just, it's just indicative of, uh, you know, a lot of bullshit that you see, especially around Kung Fu. And I thought about it later, and I was like, oh, yeah, see, I wonder if he pulled the same shit and went to the Thai boxing class, you know, and was like, hey, I want to, I want to see if you guys Stand can... Stand there and let me kick you in the face. Yeah, how about, how about this? How about I do a shin kick to your thigh? <laughs> I'll use my Thai shin kick. And see how you stand. <laughs> exactly. Let's see how well you stand after I lay into you one time. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So anyway, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like some of this ludicrous bullshit that goes on. And, you know, then I just, I just, I kind of feel bad for him because I was just like, well, whatever, whatever Kool-Aid you'd been drinking, obviously is going to impede you actually getting involved with a martial art and with something, not necessarily mine, but maybe something else that, that would really benefit you. Because obviously you've got some, some, you've got an issue. Yeah. You've got some psychological bullshit that you need to, that you're working out and, um, you know, you, you're, you're here to try to satisfy it in some way, but you're not going to because, you know whatever agenda you had got in the way. So, yeah, it's interesting. Meet all kinds. Meet all kinds. Absolutely. Absolutely.